Hello, everyone. This is Rami, your host, and welcome to another amazing podcast. Today, I have, you know, Daniel, we call him Dan Tokini. I love the last name because it's a phenomenon. I, I have a feeling I'm talking to the head of the mafia, but I'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking Dan. But I love it, man. He's a, he's a phenomenon. You know, he's got his own business. And then, you know, hardcore entrepreneur being the leadership and the people business. Because as you all know, I'm a big fan of people. And we are the one that we can run the people and people that can make us or break us. Now, today, Dan and I, we're going to discuss the culture, leadership, and the organization and corporation. We're going to, you know, have a fantastic chat. Dan, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Rami, my pleasure. This is a real honor. I'm, I've been looking forward to this and getting a chance to get to know you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let me tell you how you start your entrepreneurship journey, Dan. You know, how did you get to all this great stuff that you do right now? Well, you know, I, I started as a young kid. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So wow. my father, my grandfather came over here from the old country, from Italy, and my father started a business. My grandfather was in the, in the, he was in the, he was in the grocery business and then got into the movie business. He bought real estate, built a movie theater in Northern California. In fact, it was the first talking motion picture theater in Northern California. And um, I grew up in that business. And he built this theater as an investment he did, and nobody showed up. The guys who bought it, I guess they didn't show up, so he took the theater over, loved it, liked it more than the grocery business, sold his grocery stores and got into that. And I grew up in the movie theater business as a kid. Uh, I remember we even turned our garage into a movie theater and had kids over and sold candy and popcorn, and we'd put reels together of, of, of commercials of new movies coming out, and kids loved it, and that's when I started. I started that way, and uh, as I got older, I got into the movie business, bought and sold movie theaters, ran them, bought and sold them as tax shelter cash flow investments. Wow. During the, right before the big, before uh, the 79 kind of recession when interest rates went crazy, yeah. worked right through that. And then um, I got into selling, got into selling a lot. And about that time, I, I went through uh, a, de a personal development leadership program. Uh, and I just, I, I loved it. So I got into that work. And in, I've done a lot of things like doing trainings and human resource stuff and then leadership trainings. And that developed, I developed my own my own approach and then I started working with companies doing mergers and acquisitions and doing leadership work within companies, culture blending, wow. conflict resolution. Uh, so, and then I, I put a team together, built a, a consulting company, sold that back in 2012 um, and then started another one. Once my non-competes were over, I ended up starting another one, which I'm now running now with my partner called Take New Ground. And you know, we basically serve founders that are, you know, we let, we, these are guys or gals who are driven, they're pestered, if you will, by a vision. They can't sleep, you know, they're usually high energy, um, relentless type of people who realize they need other eyes on the problem. You know, one guy told me one time, he said, look, athletes, I, he, he was an athlete, an ex-athlete starting a business. And he said, you know, when I played for when I played for the Dodgers, they assigned me a coach, a hitting coach, a feeling coach. I had all these coaches. I go to business. I got, I, I don't have anything. So I, I started looking for people who had some background who could help me put eyes on 
me because I can't see me and I can't see as well the impact I'm having. And so uh, that's what we do. You know, we work with people that way. We have a, a deep background in a lot of areas of business. One of my partners is, was an ex-VC and does governance and finance. My other partner and I work together building teams. We both are entrepreneurs. His wife started Drybar, uh, which no, is a pretty big franchise, and uh, and she's done very well. We worked with them. We've worked with you know our clients like Jenny's Special Ice Creams, and we've done I, I, Hyperloop. I, I served, worked with them for a few years, and in fact, their ex COO just came to work with us. And so we we've done we do a lot of work with startups, usually ranging from. Um, first round to fourth round anywhere from you know usually 10 million in revenue to oh, really? you know a billion or two we've done a couple of big big they're not startups but they're later stage so it, it, anywhere in between but it's what we're looking for is is the uh is the entrepreneur who's driven and really gets it about uh the the details that make the machine run you know, like the relationships that actually action comes out of. You know, so. as as you as you just said that you know you work with a lot of entrepreneurs and the startups, and you know I have been around the startups and entrepreneurs a lot. And you know, when people when usually you guys are going to help these people, you know, the entrepreneurs or the startups, they got the ideas, they got the vision. Do you think about the character of that person? Because I'm a big believer that I am investing in the founder rather yeah. than the concept, because. Yeah. You know, if, if the founder is not there, if the founder vision is not there, the mission, vision, the values, you know, the culture, you know, because it, the, the, the tech stuff is it's a tool, you know. Yeah. But the person that would make you or break you, what, what is your thoughts on that, that, you know, in the, the character or the concept? Oh, the character. I'm, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. Gary oh, I Vaynerchuk, love that. Get Gary Vaynerchuk fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I subscribe to that thinking. What we say is, look, are you clear about the relationship that's wanted and needed that's going to open up the possibility for the action you that it's going to take to do what you're doing? And, you know, it's easy for entrepreneurs to get caught up in the symptoms of what's going on around them because they're so busy. Uh, the ones that really get on top of their business understand that work has got to be as rewarding as it is productive. Right. So you've got that's a, a fine line. And and we work with that quite a bit. We've got we've chunked that down into some some key distinctions that if an entrepreneur is really gets the connection, they're going to be able to, to move the needle, uh, the performance needle with their people without having to get so deep in the business that they lose sight of the vision and the strategy. And, you know, the and they can they need to create time, if you will. To have that white space so they can think about the business and be on top of it. So we do a lot of work to build teams so that that the the entrepreneurs rises above the organization and can really serve it that way. Because you know, uh, you you, you work with those people, but have you ever had the experience that I had that experience that you know sometimes people they don't know who they are because oh. as you're a you're a big fan of the you know the Simon and I, I I had a couple of discussion with Simon as well that you know we most of us we know what we do how we do it but 
the why, the why we do it, and the self-awareness, the self-awareness of that person gets into it as another component that, who am I? What do I yeah. want to do? Is this well, the really, right venture? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of situations, I mean, I've had a number of situations, it's been 40 years I've been doing this, but where the character of the leader, it, they just don't want to press into that. They, And you know what, you can make a business run. Yeah. Without that but you're you're not a you're gonna be stressed out and b people around you are gonna they're gonna turn over right i i one of the things you know it's not a problem to have some people turn over because some people need to move on and people go through a growth cycle and it may no longer be relevant for them or they the business for them to be there but but when you get a, a turnover rate of you know 35 40 percent and i've worked in companies where the turnover rates is seventy five percent in a wow. year, right? wow, right, and and that's where you got where, where the the leader doesn't see people anything more than tools, and they, you can hear it in their language, you can hear it in their upset, like they tend to be victimized and complaining about their team rather than asking themselves, you know, I wonder what's wanted and needed. How how can I provide the what's wanted and needed? What conversations need to happen? Uh, so that what I'm committed to can open up, right? P if, a, if a founder's too precious to have those conversations, well, uh, then they're going to they're gonna be stuck repeating the same mistake or same patterns of mistakes over and over again, and the business will still run. It can still run and still make good money. So, Basically, what you're telling me, they're looking at the people as a numbers, not as a, that's as right. a human. Like as tools. A, as a human, as a like tool. this tool doesn't work, I'll unplug them, I'll put another one in. But that's not sustainable. You know, you know that. That's, no. That, that must be a temporary fix, but in the long haul, it's it not going to work. Yeah, short-term gain, long-term pain. And, and the, you know what I mean? Like, it's a short-term gain. I can take out my, I can go remove a, a CMO or a, you know, or I can, a sales guy or whatever, and put another one in that's effective for a while. But eventually, I'm going to face the same, it's like rearranging the deck furniture on the Titanic, right? So yeah. you, you get it in a nice order, you go, oh, that feels so much better. And you sit back, and then you go, well, hell, shit, the, the ship's still sinking. So That's a great analogy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, unfortunately, this is happening all the time that I don't know what's wrong with our leadership these days. I have seen it. I still seen it in the many companies that leaders, they really do not understand the human as a, as a human, they see them as a more the assets, as you know, as a replaceable assets, rather than okay, this is a human. He's got feelings, he's got ideas, he's got, he's got vision. Uh, how can I ask that person to add values to organization rather than just treat them as an as an, an asset or a number? I don't know what it is, but or th is this, this is going to be fixed? I don't well, know. Well, you know, there's a. There's some distinctions in here. There are, you know, the when hire when I think it begins with the way the, the talent is searched for, right? So, if, for instance, like you're saying, Rami, I'm yeah. viewing somebody as a tool, then what I'm going to I'm going to be most concerned with, almost completely concerned with their competency. So I'm probably going to find very competent people. The what are my frustrations going to be is how do I get that competency? on the ground and benefiting the organization. And um, that's, what happens is entrepreneurs will tend to hire somebody 
that's really competent and then feel then they'll start to produce and then feel they'll see that this person's starting to do things that aren't aligned with the brand or where they ultimately want to go but they're afraid to say anything because this person's producing and so they get caught in a conundrum where God, if I say something I could lose this top producer and then I'm, where where will I be and and uh, eventually that that has its life right eventually that's going to blow up eventually basically basically what you're telling me they sacrifice their people for numbers yeah but but even bigger it's like they start that early because what they're looking for is someone who can produce they're not they don't look for something other than competency the other black box in hiring is suitability is this person suitable for the position because they could be very competent but not really be suited for it in other words they don't prefer what it takes to do it over a long term they're very good at it but they don't prefer to do maybe what it's going to take to work for the rest of the team they're not suited for the position or they're not suited for the culture and most leaders spend very little time i've worked with um they they up until the point we start working together often don't spend a lot of time up thinking about who's going to fit with the team and don't have any kind of idea about how to identify what makes somebody suitable in this on this team like they'll talk about values which are important and you yeah. got to look at those but then you've also got to understand is does this person prefer do they have a high preference for let's say communicating with the team like let for instance do they they may have a high preference to help everybody on the team but they may not assert their own needs so while they're very helpful they'll look great but underneath that they may be building some resentment because they haven't talked about what they need right and so if i don't identify that i'll wonder why they got upset and left and maybe quit later on but i and and because we've done research in this area and then i find out that they really just weren't asking for what they wanted and if they would have asked for it I they, they, the owner would probably have provided it or some form of it to help them get what they needed because they were so helpful but if the if the if the entrepreneurs just excited about the fact that they're serving and they're doing what they need to do to help others and and they see their good team player they may think well this get this person we can't lose them um but they they will be that person will be pressured they'll feel like they're not getting taken care of over the long haul and they'll get at times they'll flip and get harsh or angry or resentful and people won't know where it came from but it came from not asking for what they wanted and negotiating they don't have it so there's a number of tensions like that that one can start to identify a in the interview process and so if you get somebody competent how are they compatible to the team how are they compatible to how are they feeling about working with the team and are they able to get you know engage in a way that's relevant to the other team members because as you know things can get pretty conflicted yeah just just look at the other side as well too the our leaders you know you talk about the entrepreneurship to be open and asking question all that stuff but how about the leaders i'm sure you have seen it that some leaders they not open to ask for help they not yeah. open to vulnerability no leaders is going to show vulnerability because they think it's a sign of their weakness which is it is not like yes. i well, you know I, i am a ceo too when i don't know something i ask my staff that can you help me out with that or with this some of the leaders unfortunately they don't want to ask 
and therefore, you know, the, the, the people work for them or entrepreneurs or whoever working, they're not going to ask. It, yeah. would, I think it goes back to the leader a little bit too. Oh, oh absolutely. And they, if, if my people aren't talking to me, there's a couple places to look. One, because there, there, are, there are tensions that are natural in business, as you know, right? And I just mentioned one. Uh, uh, the, another one is how open and reflective is the leader with other people's opinions? So yep. if, if the if the leader is just totally confident in their own opinion and they're not open and reflective about others' opinions, they're probably not going to listen much. They're probably not going to reflect on and allow the, the team to really contribute to the business. They're going to try to fit them into what they think they should be. And so the tendency there is very creative and powerful people who could contribute to the team will get feel frustrated and held down and, and the turnover rate will go up. So the ability to be open and reflective about other people's opinions will make a big difference for somebody who's a driving, hard driving leader, right? And there are other leaders that are so open and reflective, they, they tend to have what's called the open door syndrome, right? So they're really open and reflective, but they're not real confident in their own opinion. So they'll listen to everybody. And usually the last opinion they hear They'll go do that, and other people will say, well, I thought we were going to do this. And, and they change very often. They end up changing in process, and so it produces distrust in their team. So there's got to be a balance between being confident in your own opinion and being willing to be open and reflective about your teams. And then opening a dialogue where people can, they can disagree without, like you, you take away the powers. Like, in other words, when I work with my team, I'm, I don't, they know I'm the CEO. So I don't, I don't take the position, that power of the position, and I want to be con conscious of it. I want to be conscious of that power differential, and I want them to see that they can say what they need to say, and I'm going to consider it, because they may see something I don't. And so we can have that kind of discussion. I always, I'm always watching to see how often a leader asks their team, what did they hear? What do well, they you know, think about it? You, you, that gets, gets me to this question that, you know, how the leaders, they can create that safety zone. Yeah. How leaders, as you think, they can create that safety zone that it says, here you go, guys, come on. I'm, a, I'm like you. Let's, let's all work together. That's, I think, is a challenge that create that safety zone that most of us, we don't know how yeah. to do it. What do, you think the what do you think the challenge is there for a leader? I, I think that one is a safety zone is they not competent at their own abilities, their leaders, and they are afraid of being judged because they don't want to actually show their weaknesses and vulnerability. Yeah. I think that that I think that's a big reason that I have seen so many leaders that, you know, they don't want to actually have that offer because they are afraid of themselves that they're going to be judged. But nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, because I it's think not really, about the I, title. It's not about the title or the rank. Yeah, and I think you, I think you hit on another tension, right? Um, the tension to improve yourself and, and against, if you think about it, and accept yourself, right? So if I'm most leaders I know, like you're talking about, really want to improve themselves and the organization, but they have a hard time accepting when they fail. Yep. So, so they want to hide the failure. 
like you're talking about. And, and, and when I say failure, I mean, let's say we're doing something and one of my team notices something I didn't notice that really is vital for the team. Uh, I could feel insecure about that or I could be grateful about that. <laughs> so if I accept that I don't see everything, then I can be much more grateful that somebody sees it. If I think I'm supposed to see everything or have every answer, then I'm going to be intimidated when somebody on my team sees something I don't or acts on something I didn't see and made, makes a big difference. I'm probably going to feel uneasy because I'm not okay with myself about not seeing it. You know, Those, I... I I totally agree with you because I've I've went through that. Like I I don't like accounting. I understand yeah, it. I can I read balance it. sheet. I can do all that. But I'm not. I I don't like dealing with the numbers. And I told my accountant and my bookkeeper and everything. I had a meeting. I said I'm so grateful to have you ladies, because you make my job so easy. And I don't want to deal with it because I'm not <laughs> educated as you are. And I trust you hundred percent to educate me to what to do, what to cut, how to do the budget, and how to just watch what, what we spend. Like, I, yeah, I am so I, grateful, I'm telling you, because that's not my forte. That's not my strongest, you know, character. You know, I'm good in leading and all that stuff, but not, and I, I, I admit to it. I admit to it. You know, yeah, and even what I'm good at, there are, you know, I'm not going to see everything. Even what I do like, right? I I, I really enjoy when a team, like a, a a team member sees another way to do it that I'd never even considered and is as effective or more effective than what I'm doing. I enjoy that as well. But I, I, I know the initial pang, like, Oh, oh you know, I, I wish I would have <laughs> seen that. I'm supposed to be an expert here. And, and then I go, Oh, okay, wait a minute. This is a good news. Right. Uh, otherwise, as you said, I think you pointed out, well, people aren't going to want to say what they think because they know I'm just going to come back and, squash it somehow so yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to criticize me because i yeah. asked so many of my friends why don't you talk to your team no because i don't want to give them the you know the reason that they can criticize me i start laughing i said they say that why are you laughing i said because you're stupid <laughs> i said what i said because you are afraid of your people criticizing you yeah. because you're asking a question that you don't know the answer to therefore you're going to be criticized I, that doesn't make sense to me. That's that's why I call it the growth, learning, yeah, and you know, and challenging ourselves. I don't look at it as a, as a weakness that my staff that they can take advantage of, and you know, it's still he, you know, he, he, most of the people, some of the leaders out there, they say I'm a leader, I have to know everything, I'm the top. No, it's not like that. No. It's it's just your no. position. That's it. In fact, I've found that. To be effective with my team, I've got to be good at asking questions Absolutely. to understand, to reveal what I don't see, right? I mean, most of my experience as a leader is I'm pretty blind. I mean, blind meaning there are gifts at the table. There are resources at the table I'm not seeing. And in fact, many times the resource or the new possibility shows up like a threat, like I feel like they're taking over something they shouldn't be or they're encroaching on an area that isn't theirs or they're making some personal statement. There's something that goes on in me. Usually I have to, I use that emotion that comes up as a, as an, like, oh, wait a minute, an indicator. I better, I, if I'm upset about this, I better understand why am I upset about it? 
and what is it they're actually trying to say that I might not be hearing? Because I'm really aware of the fact that most of the time I'm not listening to you or somebody else. I'm listening to what I'm saying about what you're saying. So I, you know, the listening, you just nailed it there. And it's, just it's the whole listen deal. It's a whole deal. Uh, yeah, amen. And, amen. And how often do you or I as a leader, I mean, I know this is a practice that I work on. I can tell you're paying attention because you can see it in others. If I can see it in me, I can see it in others. How often do I listen to how I listen? Right. And, that, and that's how that point. impacts what the conversation, you know, because, you know, we all want to be heard. Yes. The same thing as our staff, the same thing as my wife, as my <laughs> kids and, you know, your grandkids and all that stuff. They all want to be heard. And one of the skills that we all should have is a listening. And then when you're in the corporation as a leader or working in any organization as entrepreneur, small team, big team, you really have to listen because we're all trying to learn and grow together. That's what that's the key to success, don't you think? Yo, I do. And tell me what you what are some of the things that tell you that when you're not listening? What do you what do you listen for to tell you when you're not listening? When when I'm not listening is that is a time that my mind is not really there or yeah. I think that the subject is not very interesting, which is it might be interesting, but I have to listen more in order to get interested. That's the time that I kind of slap myself and I say, hey, pay attention, you know? I'm yeah, yeah. I'm guilty of it too, you know? Sometimes I really should to listen more. But overall, I'm, my listening, you know, skills is pretty good, but I have to work it to listen more because if I do that, I will be more successful. Yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in what people, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm oh, always no, interested in what people are listening for to tell them when they're not listening. One of the things for me is if if we keep having the same conversation and I think it's handled, then I know I must not be hearing something. You know, maybe it's I need to hear that they don't really want to do it or they're that maybe they're not the right person for it. But it could be simple as they see something they're trying to tell me and I'm not hearing it or there's something they're seeing I'm not seeing. Why would it keep coming up? But but, some, but sometimes they tell me something and I listen, but if they change the way they're explaining it, it sits in my mind. Yes, and which means you got to ask some questions, right? Yes. you got to get curious, right? Like, okay, maybe it's in the way, the way they're saying it. And I can, if I listen closely, I can ask questions about things I don't understand, like words they're using that I think I understand, but they may have a different meaning for them. Right. Yeah, you know the way you say things is important. I give you an example. Dan, have a seat. Dan, sit down. Dan, sit the fuck down. Yeah, right. You know they're all the same meaning, right? Yeah, they're right. All the, they're all the well, same meaning. Which have, one are you gonna listen to more carefully? The tone, the tone has a lot. You know, it's a lot. To, sit the fuck down. I'm sitting down. Even if my wife says that to me, I know. Oh man, I gotta listen here. I'm oh my god, I know. I'm I'm in trouble. But you know. But I am always, you know, I'm always uh, fascinated by people yeah. because I'm a big believer in the equation of the any business success. The people are the most important, you know, fact or a piece of that equation. Yeah. They can make you or break you. I swear to God, I have There's seen no, they are, I don't, I, I talk a lot to my team about let's not take for granted our being together. Let's have our being together 
be as rewarding and productive as we can possibly do have it be because we're going to be spending a lot of time together either online or in person and i i noticed that i like the concept of making your people most important is i think most leaders would say they do that the question is where am i not doing it where where how do i chunk this down i know for me the listening thing's a big deal if i find myself getting defensive that's telling me I probably need to listen more. I'm probably making something up or at least need to investigate what I'm making up about what's being said to see what if I'm hearing what they're saying. Yeah, you know, I, I just want to ask you that what is your advice for the people that they start, they start in a company? They're going to create that culture. They're going to tell everybody, okay, yeah. I'm going to lead you guys. And it's a small five, six people or whatever. What advice do you have for that new leader or, you know, the owner startup? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you say it again. I said, what, what is your advice for that new owner or the startup founder that what advice do you have to building the right culture Yeah. in, 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 the, in, the, in the environment? Well, I mean, so when you say culture, it's probably good to define what it is. I, I'll tell you what, when, it, when we talk about culture, the key is where do you locate culture? Like, because culture is a noun, and we don't know really, it's kind of ephemeral, yeah. right? So where does it show up? Where can you, and, and then where can you focus so that you can shift the culture? Um, that's a big deal. I, I have a, uh, a, uh, a book I wrote on, on, it's called The Change Imperative. And, and one of the things we look at is where is the culture? Where do you find it? And you find it in the way people talk about each other, the work, the, the, the team, um, the clients. Like it's in the conversations that we have together and how we have them. So if I want to change the culture, it's up to me as the leader to open up and stand and relate in conversation with my team individually and collectively the way I want them to in, to do that with their with their clients or customers, I see my team as my customer, and I see them. I think that's the second another thing is who's oh, wow. your who's your customer, as a as an as a as a leader on the team as an executive. My customer as the CEO is my other executives. If I serve them well, that's going to take care of the clients, and so, and I always ask. Anyone on the team, who do you see as your customer, your primary customer? Because that's how that's who you're going to serve the most. So it's very easy for a, an entrepreneur to think that their customer is the end customer or end client, when in fact it's really the people they're leading is their customer. And if I can make that connection, I'll have an idea of how, what kinds of conversations and what kinds of attitudes I need to presence in order to make that valuable to my team, to my customer. That's that's amazing. That's a, that's a great point. But, you know, I would like to talk to you all day, man. We, we've got so much in common about people and, you know, and the culture and the leadership. It's so fascinating. I'm always fascinated by listening to smart people like you and they have a lot of experience and learn from. But uh, where people can find you, like if they have any question or they're going to chat with you, where people can find you? Um, Beside the LinkedIn, I'm sure you you know you are in. Yeah, there's a well, um, Instagram, 
uh, Dan Takini, and uh, you can find me. You can takenewground.com is okay. our website. Um, we have a podcast that we're, we love, and uh, it's it. You know, it's my partner, two partners, and myself, and sometimes my wife is on it, and other partners. Um, and it's called the Naked Leadership Podcast. Why and, I love that, and, yeah, and it's on Apple. And so those are ways people can track us down. Or LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And we would, we would put all this information in the com, you know, comment. Of please do. Of please. The, of the things that people, they can reach out to you. But it was a pleasure, man, talking to you. I really, you know, I always say with all the interview that I do, with I have another good friend that I can yeah, call yes, on and absolutely. reach out and, and pick your brain on some stuff and work together. I, I don't know what future holds, but I love, I love this, you know, these connections because... It's all about the story, and everyone has a story. That, that's, that's, that's for sure. That's my thing. But thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Until next time, you have a wonderful day. You too, Rami. Bless you, thank man. You. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Be blessed.